Is this, is this working? Oh, nice. Okay, hold on. Got to grab my notes. Um, so for those of you that don't know me, my name's Katie. I'm the youth pastor here at Obi Drifle Church. I got like three introductions, so by this point, you guys should know who I am. <laughs> um, I'm a little nervous, so if I'm shaking, it might be the nerves. It might be the amount of coffee that I drink. This is my fifth cup. Um, so... <laughs> But it's great, we're going to get through this, and it's going to, it's going to be what it is. So, um, I'm the, like I said, I'm the youth pastor here, so this band of hooligans over here is my responsibility. Uh, sorry for them, but I love them. <laughs> um, over the past 10 weeks, we've been doing a series on women in the Bible uh, called Magnify, which it's on your bulletin. Um, and it's been incredible. I know for me, I've really loved being able to look at all these different women that don't really get... Um, shared a lot. We don't hear their stories a lot, and we've gotten to see the different ways that they just magnify Jesus. Um, and so I'm actually closing out that series today. I think we probably could have gone on with the series for another like 10 weeks, um, but we're closing it out with Deborah, who I think is someone who just magnifies God's love for us in a really, really bold way. So I'm super excited to talk to her about her today. Um, so like Campbell just read, and she did awesome. Way to go, Campbell. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of tough words in that, and I threw it at her, and she handled it like a champ. Um, I'm just going to summarize Deborah's story for you guys a little bit today, because I think it's one that's not, we're not all super familiar with. I know I wasn't. Um, so Deborah is a judge and a prophetess over Israel, and um, we're going to look in a second at what that really means, but she's the judge, and she calls Barak, who's kind of like her apprentice, and asks him to come, and she's like, hey, man, it's time. You're going to go and we're going to go to war, and Jesus, or the Lord's going to give you this victory, and it's going to be awesome. And Barak says, I'll only go if you go with me. And she immediately responds, nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. And then she gets up, and she goes with him. And they go, and of course they win. The Lord gives them the victory, but Sisera, who was the leader of that army, gets away. And he runs away, and he seeks shelter in this woman, J.L.'s, tent. And he asks if he can hide inside, and she says yes. So he hides under the rugs of her tent. And when he falls asleep, J.L. goes and gets a tent spike and a hammer and hammers it through his temple and kills him. Um, it's kind of gory. But um, Deborah was right. Uh, so Sarah fell at the hand of a woman, and just like she told Barack, she was right. So uh, that's her story. But like I said, we're going to kind of look at what exactly a judge is. Because um, I know for me that was something where I was like, I heard it a lot, but I didn't know exactly what it meant. So in Judges 2.18, it says, Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord as with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. So during this time, all the lands around Israel had kings, um, but Israel didn't have a king. God's their king. So instead, they had judges that would lead them. Um, and the Lord would appoint these judges, and they would sit places, and people would come to them asking for guidance and for words, of the, words from the Lord. Um, and so Deborah would sit underneath a palm tree in this mountain ta- town called Ephraim. So it's a little different than the mountain town we're in, because we don't have any palm trees. That'd be nice. Um, but she would sit under there, and people from all around her land would come to her, and they'd ask for guidance, advice, and from words from the Lord. Um, Deborah being chosen to be a judge is a really, really big deal. In the book of Judges, we're told of 12 different judges, and Deborah is the only woman, um, 
which is really cool in itself, but we also have to understand the culture of the time. Um, Women in that time, they're told their whole lives that their purpose is marry, have kids, clean, and cook. And then Deborah is called to lead armies (laughs) and to tell people the word of God. It's a huge deal. And she's not only a judge, she's a prophetess. So she's given this incredible leadership role. And at this time, women were very, very rarely given any leadership roles at all. And if they were, it was only over other women. But Deborah is given the biggest role she could possibly have in her culture, man or woman could possibly get, and she's told to lead all of them. Um, So I think that had to be pretty terrifying because she's, by saying yes to what God's calling her to do, she is stepping out against her entire culture. Um, She's stepping out against what she's been told her purpose is her entire life, and she's doing something different. Um, But she does step into it despite her fear, Um, despite her culture saying no, despite everything Deborah said yes to God. And so obviously, Deborah's incredible. (laughs) I mean, I think she's really, really great. And so we're going to talk a lot about her incredible qualities and what we can do to be more like her in order to be more open to God. But first and foremost, we have to acknowledge the fact that no matter how great we think Deborah is, God is infinitely more so. This story is um, about Deborah, but really the hero of the story is God, and that's what we have to remember, that he is just working through her and she is just a vessel for him to use. Um, we see throughout the Bible that God, he loves using the unexpected people to do incredible things. Um, we have David, who is this little dude, and he goes out there and slays Goliath. Um, and then you see Sarah, who was told she was way too old to have kids, and then she becomes the mother of Isaac. Um, we also have Mary, and Scott talked about her in the beginning of this series, and she was 14 when the Holy Spirit came to her, and she was the mother of Jesus. Um, yeah, the Lord loves using those unexpected people. Um, J.R.R. Tolkien says, even the smallest person can change the course of the future. If you know me at all, if you've had maybe a five-minute conversation with me, uh, you know that I had to figure out a way to get Lord of the Rings into this sermon. It's very important to me. <laughs> um, luckily, J.R. Tolkien is a genius, and it was really easy to fit this in. Um, but if you don't know anything about Lord of the Rings, the reason it is my favorite book, series, movies, everything, is um, it's about these little hobbits, and they save all of Middle-earth. And everyone looks at them and says that they can't do anything, that they're not going to be good enough, and then they save the world. Um, And I think the reason this is one of my favorite stories is because a lot of times when we look at all the problems of the world, we get so overwhelmed that we don't even bother trying because we think "That that is so bad, that's so ugly, that's so evil, there's nothing that I can do to fix that. And so we sit back and we don't try. Um, Yeah, we think that we're too small, like the hobbits, too young, uh, too old, too whatever we're saying to hold us back. Um, but the Lord looks at us and says that we're none of those things Um, because he chooses the small to do the big things. The Lord wants to use all of us to help further his kingdom. Um, So how do we do that? (laughs) How do we be open to being used? We're going to look at Deborah today and see the different things she does in order to be used by God. Um, We see Deborah throughout this story being obedient. We see her being uh, someone that empowers others and we see her being extremely courageous. Um, And those are things that we can all be. Um, I know we're going to start with looking at how obedient Deborah is. Um, I don't know about you guys, I am a very stubborn person. 
So obedience is something that I really, really struggle with. Uh, my parents are actually here today. They're the ones that are as tall as me. And um, <laughs> you can ask them. Growing up, I always had a really hard time doing what they told me to do, especially if I didn't agree with it. Um, and so when I was looking at this and preparing for this sermon, I knew obedience was going to be the one that I probably would struggle with the most talking about. Um, but luckily, Deborah just sets an incredible example in this. Um, yeah, in Judges 4, 2 through 4, we're going to look at that. It says, And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who resigned in Hor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth Hagoim. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. So the Lord doesn't ask Deborah to step in to be judge when everything is great and groovy in Israel. Um, It's not like she's stepping into an easy role. It is hard. They're being oppressed for 20 years and treated treated cruelly, like that said. And it's not an easy army to defeat. Um, When it says that they have 900 chariots, that is the best weapon anyone could possibly have during those times. That is terrifying. (laughs) And he asked her to step into that role. And she says yes. So we've already talked about how she's going against her culture and all that, but it's not even she's going to go against her culture and step into a role and then it's going to be easy. She's going to go against her culture and step into a role and it's just going to get harder. But she says yes. Um, she accepts the responsibility that the Lord is asking of her. She doesn't know how it's all going to work out. She has no way of knowing. Um, but she has faith in God. Her faith isn't in herself and how she's going to do it's in him. Um, and so when I was studying this, I had to keep asking myself, am I saying yes to God? The things that he's asking of me, am I, am I accepting it and walking out in obedience and saying yes? Um, and I think, I think in some ways I am. <laughs> I think in some ways we all are. But I also think in a lot of ways we aren't. Um, and I know when I was thinking about it, I was asking myself, well, why, why am I not doing this? Why am I not stepping out? And I realized a huge part of the reason is because I think I'm afraid to fail. Um, we live in a world that's just so, it's so driven by success um, we're told that if we, if we do something and we fail, then we lose worth, and success is what's important. Um, and so because of that, we don't step out. We don't try things, because unless we're certain. Um, my uh, grandfather, his name is Bow Wow. <laughs> yep, I'm from Georgia. So my big Georgia Bulldog fan, so he insisted we call him Bow Wow, because go dogs. Um, <laughs> But he was also a pastor for over 50 years. So when I was preparing for this sermon, like I said, slightly nervous. And so I called him, and I was going over my outline with him, and he said something that just really stuck out to me I wanted to share with you guys. Um, He said, Jesus is not asking us to be successful. He is asking us to be faithful. Um, How often are we saying no to the Lord because we're afraid of failing? When that's not what he's asking us to do, he's not asking us to succeed. Like the wise Bow Wow said, he's asking us to just follow him. Um, Deborah was afraid. She was afraid of that failure, but uh, she knew that the Lord wasn't asking her to succeed. Um, he wasn't counting on her being an incredible leader of the Israeli people, but instead God was counting on her being an incredible follower of him. And that's what we're called to do. We're not called to be great at what he's calling us to do. We're just called to step out and say yes and to follow what he has for us. Uh, Yeah. Another thing that we can see from Deborah and really learn is how she empowers others. Um, Empowering 
something means to give it power or authority to a person or a thing. President Truman once said, it is amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. And I think that this is just a mentality that Deborah um, exemplifies really, really well. We see her calling Barack. Like I said, he's her apprentice, and she calls him, and she's like, hey, this is your time. She, in Judges 4.6, it says, she sit and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. Sorry, coffee break. Um, how often do we sit by and watch our family, our friends, our community, whoever not using the gifts that the Lord has given them? And we can see it. We can see what the Lord's calling them. We just don't say anything. Um, Why don't we help to empower them and guide them towards what the Lord has for them? I know for me, sometimes it's because I'm focused too much on myself. I'm like, well, what does the Lord have for me? What do I need to do? What what can I do? Um, Or sometimes I'm just too nervous to encourage them in their faith because I don't know what their reaction is going to be, and it's scary. Um, What if they don't like me? What if they get angry? Uh, So I just don't say anything. But Deborah doesn't let any of these things hold her back. Uh, We also see her later in the story encouraging JL. Um, And this is, I think, just a great example of that Truman quote I just said, where she doesn't care about who gets the credit. Um, Because when I was first reading this story, um, and she said to Barack that Sisera was going to be delivered into the hands of a woman, I was like, oh, it's going to be Deborah. She's going to win. She's going to get Sisera. It's awesome. But it wasn't her, and she didn't care. She was just building up JL, which I think is great. Um, in Judges 5, it's, uh, all of Judges 5 is a song that Barak and Deborah wrote um, about the battle. And in Judges 5, 24, Deborah says, Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, of, tw- of tent-dwelling women most blessed. She says most blessed of women be Jael. She's not talking about herself. She's building up Jael, celebrating her for doing the Lord's will and for doing what he called her to do. Jesus tells us um, that where two or more people are gathered, he will be also. We're explicitly told to encourage our sisters and brothers in Christ. Yet we aren't most of the time. Um, The things the Lord is asking us to do, it's it's not about us. Uh, Like I said earlier, Deborah is an incredible example. (laughs) But we can't forget that the Lord is actually the hero of every story. And I think once we, once we give up that credit, once we know it's not about us, it's so much easier to step out and say yes. Once we know it's about him, it's easy to tell our friends and family about him. Because we don't, we, we don't worry about if they're going to be mad at us, uh, if they're going to reject us. We just are focused on him and following what he wants us to do. Um, another thing, last but not least, of course, um, we're going to look at how Deborah is courageous. In Judges 4, 8 through 9, um, it says, Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. When she says yes to going with Barak, they're not going for a picnic. <laughs> they are going to war. Um, so she is going to be surrounded by violence and uh, all these weapons, and it's going to be terrifying. She's also going to be one of very few women, if not the only woman that is going. 
yet she says yes without hesitation. I would at least take some time to think about this. You know, I'd be like, all right, weigh my options. What does this look like? But she just jumps right in and says, yes, I will go. Um, because Deborah is consistently stepping out in fear instead of, or stepping out in faith instead of hiding in her fear. Um, fear is paralyzing. You guys, it, it has the capacity to completely hold us back um, from anything and from stepping into what the Lord has from us. In Joshua 1.9, it says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So Deborah knew she wasn't alone. She didn't hesitate because she knew God was with her, so she could go there because she was not going to be by herself. Um, Coffee break again? Um, I think... I think Deborah was afraid. <laughs> I actually think that when Barack told her to go with him, asked her to go with him, she was probably terrified to her core. Um, but her faith in God was so much stronger than her fear. So instead of letting her fear overtake her, she finds courage in her faith. Uh, I don't know if you guys can tell, but I really like quotes. So I'm going to throw another quote at you guys today by Eleanor Roosevelt. And this one is just really, really rich. She says, We gain strength and courage and confidence by each experience in which we really stop to look fear in the face. We must do that which we think we cannot. I'm going to read that again, actually, because I think it's really powerful. We gain strength and courage and confidence by each experience in which we really stop to look fear in the face. We must do that which we think we cannot. Fear is... Fear is so small compared to God's love for us, yet we continually give it so much power. Um, So my question today for us is, what is God calling you to that you're letting fear hold you back from? Why why are we giving fear that power instead of of acknowledging that God is so much bigger than it? Um, I have a story that I want to share with you guys today. And I thought about not sharing it because all my youth kids have heard it probably three or four times. Um, (laughs) But it's just a really, really good example of how the Lord can use something so small to completely transform lives. Um, Before I moved here a couple years ago, I spent a year on this thing called the World Race, where each month I was in a different country doing mission work. And before I left, it was the last night I was in my kitchen. I had like my backpack packed. I was ready to go. And I was getting a little nervous. And I think for some reason, all of a sudden, I realized I hadn't gotten my hair cut. And that was really important for some reason. And so I'm sitting in the kitchen. I'm like, Mom, my hair's not cut. What am I going to do? And my brother uh, was like, well, Katie, I'll cut your hair. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm stubborn. And so I was like, "Mm, okay, cut it. And he just gets the scissors, and he slowly starts moving closer to me. And my mom's freaking out. She's like, this is a terrible idea. (laughs) But we're both like, I'm not going to chicken out till he chickens out. And... So he cuts my hair, and whew, it was bad. Um, this side of my hair was at least like three inches shorter than the other. It was super rough. Um, but I left the next day for Africa, and so I just kind of forgot about it. And three months later, I find myself in Nepal. Um, we're in Kathmandu that month, and we were told we were going to be working with women in the sex trade and trying to get women out of brothels. And um, the first week was kind of, we were settling in, getting to know our mission host, 
uh, they were giving us a little break because we'd been out in the field for a while. And um, I was spending most of my days walking up and down the streets, eating the incredible food and buying souvenirs for family and friends. Um, And then finally, like, the mission work was going to start. So one night we gather around 10 o'clock at night. They pull us together, and they're like, okay, guys, I'm going to take you through these streets, and once we get there, you're going to split into teams and go into the different brothels, pray over them, just see where the Lord leads you. And I was really excited because this is, this is what I felt like the Lord was calling me to, and um, this is why I'd gone on this trip was to, you know, make a difference. Um, and so we gather and we start walking, and then all of a sudden they stop us, and they're like, okay, we're here. And I look around, and it was the exact same street that I had been buying souvenirs for my family on. And I had no idea, but all of a sudden there was like this veil lifted off my eyes and I could see these doors that led down into creepy stairwells um, that went into all these different bars. And so we were walking and we found one and, and on the sign it said, young girls, here. And my team was like, this is the one we're supposed to go to. So we walk in and we get on the stairs, bouncer gives us some weird looks. Um, and we're sitting on this couch and just looking around and and oh man, at that moment, I wasn't afraid, but I was filled with, I think, the most anger I've ever been filled with in my entire life. I'm sitting there, and on stage, there are these, there are these 12, 14-year-old girls dancing, and there are these old men looking at them, and, and they had the same look in their eyes that I had when I was looking at the souvenirs I wanted to buy. Um, I sat there, and I wanted to just, you know, go in there and grab everyone, and try and be like Rambo and get them all out of there, but it's not my gift. And so um, I was just I was sitting there praying, and, and this, this girl comes up to me, and we start trying to talk. Her English was really poor. I didn't know any Hindi. Um, so we're using like Google Translate, and whenever her boss would walk by, she would quickly pretend like she couldn't understand anything and scurry away. Uh, but by the end of the night, I actually ended up getting her phone number, and me and three of my, or two of my friends Texted and asked if we could meet her for coffee the next day. She said yes. So we went and got coffee with her. And um, we were kind of nervous going into it because we were like, what is this going to look like? What if she told her boss about us and he's going to come? And is this dangerous? We don't know. Um, And she walks in with her friend, um, Sabita. And they are just dressed to the nines. And they are so excited to just sit and talk and have coffee. Um, And so over the course of the month, we met with them about 10 times. Um, they would take us to their favorite restaurants and like show us things and teach us, teach us how to bobble our head the right way and all this stuff. Um, we couldn't really communicate still. It was just laughing at each other and laughing at the fact that we were trying. And then uh, the time came where we were leaving the next day, and so we texted, texted them and asked if we could bring a translator with us so we could finally have really, really good conversation. And so our friend Ruth comes and Um, She's from Nepal, and she works for an organization that helps to get women out of sex trafficking. Um, And so she comes, and she's translating, and and I asked uh, Nirmala and Sabita through Ruth. I was like, hey, so what is your dream? And I was so excited I could finally communicate with them really well. And and Ruth translates for them, and they still just looked really, really confused. And so I asked it again, and Ruth asked it again, and they were just so confused. And uh, finally, they were like, what is a dream? What does that mean? Um, and so I explained, I was like, well, my friend Esther, like her dream is to be a doctor. If she could be anything in the world, that's what she wants to be. And, and they're like, oh, oh, okay. And so Nirmala starts to tell us that if she could be anything in the world, she wants to be a hairdresser, but 
she believes that because of the life she's had, that no one would let them, no one would let her touch them because she was so impure. And so my friend Esther, we just lock eyes and immediately she jumps up and runs to the kitchen and asks for scissors. Doesn't speak the language. We're in like a nice coffee shop and they just give them to her. She comes back out, hands them to Mala. I take my hair down. She sees my awful haircut. And she was just like, are we, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, Nirmala, like, give me a haircut right now. We're in the middle of a coffee shop, and this is a, it's a pretty big one. But I want you guys to imagine if you're sitting in rumors, and you look over, and all of a sudden, a woman's just giving someone a haircut. Like, there would be problems with that. You know, you would cover up your coffee. You'd get out pretty fast. No one reacted at all. No one said anything. Um, and she gives me a haircut, and as she's cutting my hair, she just starts weeping and weeping. And Sabita was just sitting there watching, and she's weeping. And they looked at Ruth, and they said, get us out. And so that night, we set up kind of like a sting operation, but we were able to get them out of sex trafficking. And Nirmala went to school, and this was about, I guess it was about three and a half years ago now, but Nirmala went to school, and now she is a hairdresser at a boutique. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) I know, right? Look at God. (laughs) And uh, Sabita, her dream was to be, to work in a boutique with clothes and to sell her own clothes and stuff, and she finished high school because she was only 16, So they put her through high school, and now she is working in a clothing store. And um, yeah, I mean, you guys, if the Lord can use the bad haircut my brother gave me to get two women out of slavery, he can use all of you, all of us. Whatever we think is we're not enough, if we think that we're too inadequate or unworthy, um, like I said earlier, too old, too young, too whatever your, your too much is, the Lord can use you and he wants to use you. Because when Jesus died on the cross for us, that meant that when the Lord looks at us, he says we are enough. He says that we are worthy. And he chooses to use every single one of us. We just have to step out of the way and say yes. So I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team to come on up here and get going. Um, And you guys, while the worship team is up here um, playing their music today, I just want this to be a time where we can all pray. Um, Praying over uh, that wonderful man that got sick earlier today and is at the hospital, praying for him and his family. Um, Praying for whatever, whatever it is in your life that you aren't stepping into. Whatever you're afraid of, that that fear can go away. Because God's love is just so much stronger and we can just completely put our faith in him. Um, Yeah. I just pray for all of you that um, as we leave today, we can step into that obedience. Um, doesn't mean we have to go to war and lead an army like Deborah does. It just means that we have to do what the Lord's calling you to do. And we all know that he's put something on our hearts. Um, I, I pray that we go out there and we empower everyone around us. Push them to know God more. Push them to love themselves more. and Push them to accept what he has for them. And that we can be courageous. And the fear of being rejected, the fear of people not liking us, the fear of failing can just wash away. And we can just be completely overwhelmed with God's love for us and what he wants to do through you. Because it's not about us. It's about him and what he wants to do in us. So uh, the elders are going to be around and I'm going to be up here if you guys would like to come pray with us or just pray with yourself during this last song. Um, But thank you guys so much.